Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never even heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com or follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout out to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, the best tasting beer and more fun than a barrel of monkeys. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What the Riff? John Lennon privately announces to Paul and Ringo that he is leaving the Beatles. Allegheny Airlines Flight 853 collides with a Piper, kill all 83 occupants, and the first automatic teller machine in the United States is installed. This is September 1969, and you're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. And join us from WSB Radio, Eric Von Hessler. Good afternoon. It's a beautiful and, day. And Eric, is, yeah. is, Eric is bringing us the Spotlight album. What you got, Eric? What you're hearing the opening track from, The Beatles' Abbey Road. Maybe my favorite album. Maybe. <laughs> well, I go back and forth with The Beatles. We've had it held for you since you last came here. <laughs> well, it's one of my favorite albums of all time. And I go back and forth with the Beatles. I don't, depends on my mood, which album is my favorite album. But this one is uh, making a comeback because I finally found a real version of it, which we can get into, sure. that I don't, I don't believe that people are hearing the real album anymore. It's been remixed so many times. And it's actually kind of been remixed to the point to where it's kind of an assault on the ears. And... Un, so very unlike the original, and the closest I can get to the original is the 1987 CD when they first put out the Beatles CDs in '87, and I got one of those, and I I heard the album again for the first time in about 20 years when I listened to that because it's such a beautiful, lush album, but it has been remixed to the point of just being shrill, and you can't turn it up. The original, you could turn up really loud and it would just reveal itself. Try to turn up this 2019 version and you will hurt your ears very quickly. And it's just kind of sad. I like Giles Martin. I think he's done a good job with some of the Beatles albums. But this one never should have been touched. It was perfect in 1969. So this is an 8-track, if I recall. Or maybe even a 16-track. I, I mean, believe it. I don't know whatever they jumped up to. It was the first time that this equipment was used in Abbey Road Studios. Okay, that's what I thought. And it's the same equipment that Pink Floyd used to make Dark Side of the Moon a year and a half or two years later. What's and the other you, comparison also, the same thing that was going on? Who was the producer? Uh, oh, well, George. Well, George. What do you well, Alan, Alan, Alan Parsons. Parsons. Yeah. Yes, Alan Parsons was, I think, an engineer on this. Yes. And uh, was he the producer of Dark Side of the Moon? Yes. Okay, it, he had graduated at that point. But you can, you can hear the clean, the different instruments, how clean they are. And, of course, that's what makes Dark Side of the Moon so great now, too, because it's got soul, but it's very clean. Whereas these remixes, I feel like they've kind of removed the soul. What's your thought of Aerosmith's version of this? I think it's pretty good. I think, I think as Beatles covers go... And I was going to say, is any, has any song been covered more than this song? Uh, actually, I think Yesterday is the most covered song oh, ever yeah. of all I can time. Buy that. 
But we're talking about Muzak. Yeah, sure. We're talking about orchestras. You know, every kind of conceivable way that you could cover yesterday, whereas this is an obvious rock and roll song. You're going to get more. Now, this song is the opening track from the album, right? I, I just wonder what people were thinking when they put this one on and heard this because... I mean, it's it's bizarre. It's it is. not the kind of fare that you would expect to hear in 1969. You know, we're used to it, but I don't think anybody was at the time. Yeah, my my understanding is there was kind of some mixed reviews of Abbey Road when it first came out. Yeah, but I think for for Beatles fans, they always expected something different. They always did something different. So, I think probably people were very happy if they were Beatles fans because you didn't want to hear them do the same thing. And come together is. You know, toward the end with the Beatles, I think that uh, I think Lennon was he was still writing great songs, but they weren't coming as easy. Mm-hmm. They weren't coming out like this. You know, if you look at if you watch the Get Back uh, documentary, certainly Paul's got a lot more <laughs> ideas, and John Lennon is known for writing deeper lyrics certainly in the strawberry fields for er, uh, forever kind of you know he has deeper lyrics by the time we get to let it be and i mean abbey road and what became let it be like would come together john is kind of doing the paul thing where he's just words don't really have to mean much paul mccartney will use words as sounds so it sounds good i don't care what it means i'm just going to throw it in there and come together is kind of like that. It's, it's obviously the groove first, and then he's finding words to put in there. Well, we've moved on to another song, which, I mean, it's got to be one of the happiest songs it ever. Is. It is such a yeah. positive song. George Harrison, you know that this is um, the most popular Beatles song on streaming, which is means it? the third writer, George Harrison, the least heralded for young people, this is their favorite Beatles song. So he's actually emerged as the one with the the Beatles song that's most timeless or is used as a, a doorway into the catalog for a lot so of people. We've, we've talked about the breakup, and you we've watched the documentaries on this. Now, who do you think broke up the Beatles? Uh, are you asking, like... Who who left first? Are you saying what were the circumstances? I, I would say I would say I, what was the what was the well everybody says Yoko and she certainly yeah. had something to do with it but I think that they were they were burnt out. I mean, I blame Alan Klein, the new manager who mm. came in, more than yep. Yoko. But, I agree. Yeah. But it was look everything that they recorded they recorded in seven years. None of the Beatles were thirty when they broke up. Right. And so from. Please Please Me to this album. Everything's done in seven years. They recorded, I think, 227 songs. And, I think this and is, made two movies. I think this is one of the reasons why is is this is a great song. George Harrison did it, but it, he was not being able to spread his wings, per se, because of, obviously, Lennon and McCartney was such yeah. a big force over them. I think it's amazing that... One of the amazing stories is that somebody else in that band actually could emerge as a songwriter and write a handful of classics when they're in a band with two of the greatest pop songwriters of all time. Right. That's the amazing thing. And also, he was coming into his own. You know, he was only 27 when they broke up, 26. So he didn't start writing songs until after they were famous. And... 
So Lennon and McCartney got a lot of their bad songs out of the way in the early 60s when we didn't hear them. George had to go through that process, and he's maturing as a songwriter as they break up. Lennon is uh, kind of is still great, not producing as many. I picked this song because I thought it would be interesting to talk about one of my least favorite Beatles songs of all time. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> and I don't, I don't dislike any Beatles song because I think that they're lightning in a bottle and just the fact that they're doing it is enough to interest me. So I don't hate the song, but I would never put it on a playlist. <laughs> so that's what I, I would never put it on a playlist. It's not going to be on repeat. No. That's an interesting approach. I think we should start picking out our least favorite song of the band that we... Both words are, are important, right? Least and favorite. Yes. Like, least favorite. Right. <laughs> if you had to put this on a playlist, what would be the theme of the playlist? Uh, my least favorite Beatles song. Maybe <laughs> one song. <laughs> well, there's a couple others that, you know... This one, you can hear them... They're working. Like, you can hear... That is, it was a hard song to put together. It keeps sewing itself back together again, you know? Hmm. A lot of people don't like Obla oh, Dibla Da. I love Obla oh, Dibla Da. Because, yeah, it's nonsensical like this, but it just has that groove. It starts out and it, you just take the ride on the groove. This one, you can hear them working hard to make it as good as it can be. It gives me this, the feeling of like a carousel. I yeah. Mean, it's just, it's, yeah. It's, it's not going hard, it's not going fast, but it's continually yeah. just having a, and, and it has that nice fun. Yeah. I don't know, I, I like it. Yeah, no, you know, listen, sometimes I listen to it and I do like it, but I, it, I would just never put it on a playlist. If I was trying to turn somebody on to the Beatles, this song would not be on the playlist. <laughs> like, do you hate the Beatles now? <laughs> yeah. This could be the song for Mary Poppins when they're on the carousel, Wayne. Yeah. That's what you're thinking about. Well, you know, Paul McCartney, his father was in a uh, band yeah. in the uh, 40s and 50s. And, and he had a very musical family. And so he was very he very much liked those songs from the 30s and 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. And this isn't exactly that. That's more like Honey Pie Part 2 on the White Album and stuff. You can hear the Fred Astaire influence and things like that. But he likes these kind of silly songs. Yeah. You know, the Beatles were not... People think that the Beatles were political. They weren't. They had a theory that the next wave of rebellion would be humor. And about 64 or 65, there's a lot of humor that shows up. And that's what this is an attempt. This is a humorous, it's almost a novelty song, like Yellow Submarine and Oh Blah Dee Blah Da. Well, one thing on, on this is they kind of really went away from that uh, revolutionary type of sound, the psychedelic. Yeah. This, this is more their yeah. contemporary music. Well, that was the whole concept of Get Back, which became Let It Be and was re released after the after they broke up. The idea was to get back to where they were. You know, the first album, they, they did four songs as singles. Two songs, two singles, and two backsides. But the other ten songs they did in one night, that first album. They did it in ten hours. They just stood there and cranked it out. That, they, there's 14 songs on the album. Ten of the songs were done between 10 o'clock in the morning and, like, midnight. And wow. when you get to... Uh, Sergeant Peppers, they take 500 hours. And so the idea for Get Back was, let's get back to just being a rock and roll band. They hadn't played live in a long time. And so 
they had kind of already broken that a little bit. I think Abbey Road, they come back to George Martin and say, we want to thread the needle here, where you have songs like this where they're obviously jamming, but you also have that high production level. Well, this song here sounds almost blues-based. Oh, yeah, this is, uh, yeah. Um, and Paul McCartney's bass playing on this is yeah. unbelievable. What's the song? The song is I Want You, parenthetically, She's So Heavy, which people probably don't understand. If you were 25, it's like, yeah. are they saying she's overweight? <laughs> because that's not used anymore. Heavy used to mean that's deep. Mm-hmm. Like, you just told me something I got to think about. Man, that's heavy. Man, and that's so boss. She, yeah. Boss. And she's that's so heavy, word. man. She's so deep. Yeah. But I would imagine if you're 25, you're thinking, oh, you just... He likes big girls. I don't know. I, I, It'd probably be canceled if it was. Yeah. It's easy made a song about that. Yeah, well. exactly. <laughs> I think we were talking about this, and uh, Tim uh, Tim sang it as, uh, she's so healthy, <laughs> as, a, as a 2023 remake. <laughs> but this is another one that, uh, well, I didn't mention on, on Come Together, if you want to see where the remixing has really hurt this album. With about 20 seconds left to come together, you hear John Lennon on the original almost orgasmically kind of go, ah, and they've remixed that out. You can go to the 2019 version, you hear something going on down there, but it's not there. And it, the great ending of this song, which is just that repeated bomb, 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 there's a wind that comes in that becomes part of the sort of psychedelic thing, which is so prominent. You won't hear too much of it on this because this is a 2019. But if you go back and find an old one, you will hear that, yeah, that, that's the way it was produced. This wind gets builds up and it's louder and it's louder. How do, why do you think they, the, what, what did they do to remix it out of there? I mean, I, that's important to it's keep impor- that. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I think that they were, it's one of those things where they believed that they were making so much of it better that it, it was almost like an artifact that fell off. Yeah. I think it's like they, they went with what they changed and there was no way you could keep that change. Although you would think you could overdub it back in. I would think you know, so. You, you, you should be able to. Uh, there's, a, there's an example of the new Revolver where on She Said, She Said, you actually lose some of my favorite guitars. They're just not there. And I guess it's if you want to do certain things in these remixes going back 50 years... You're gonna by making something better in your mind, you're gonna lose something else. This guitar work almost sounds like summertime. Yeah, it's just like summertime is. Yeah. The, you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure that that's. Len- I'm pretty sure Lennon's playing the lead uh, on okay. this. But it doesn't sound like. Um, it doesn't sound like Harrison to me, but I, I could be wrong. All right, I got a trivia question for you. I already I did it for the rest of the guys before you got here. How many Beatles are on the cover of Abbey Road? Five. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right. He knew about that. All right. All right. So. Are you kidding me? I stared at this album cover for years. I mean, I've been listening to this album almost well, since I was 10 years old. Yeah. People, and, people and don't realize the fifth Beatle is last name is Volkswagen. Is Volkswagen, which is <laughs> parked haphazardly on the street. I yeah. brought this up the other day. People ask me, what do you think is the best album cover ever? And I think it's Abbey Road, and then I say, don't ask me why. I can't tell you why. Obviously, there are more fantastical out Sergeant Peppers of their own. But look at the composition of that photograph. I mean, it's just, how do you get these guys with their legs? Are they standing still? 
Are they walking? And he just happened to catch that. The they had to have shot that a hundred times and picked well, one. Well, they did. Right? A, there are when you get the special versions, you can see all the other versions of and it. But Paul has shoes on the other ones. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> I mean, look at their legs. I mean, it's almost it's almost symmetrical yeah. with each other. Yeah. And I think they're walking, so they're not standing there posing. So it's. A, if you ever been there, I mean, they they're people lined up. Just I wait know. for cars to go by so they can choose Now, the, some of the pictures I've seen, it seems like they changed the crosswalk and the look yeah. of it, which who in the mm-hmm. – what an idiotic – they had to be the same people who decided that, you know, let's tear down the cavern in Liverpool. Yeah, It's like the remastering. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah the, <laughs> let's remaster the photo and make it better. Uh, I and mean, what's <laughs> so shocking about that is, I mean, you, if you go over to London, England, or, or, or any of the places around there, they're pretty careful about saving history. It's yeah. very difficult to build something new in the metro right. London but area. But their history is 2,000 years old. Right. So well, something yeah. that's 20 years or 40 years ago. Yeah. Well, remember, it's 50 now. 50, that's how yeah. old we are. My goodness. Yeah. 50 years ago this came out. Well, more than that. Because it came out in 69. Yeah. So, amazing. Amazing that they're still being talked about and and studied and, and loved. I think, they'll, I think that they will be, I think there will be people who will love this band if we're still around 200 years from now. I, I believe that there will be, it's impossible. Don't jinx us with if, if uh, well, we're still here. <laughs> I won't be here. <laughs> Jeez, if man. the human race is still here. <laughs> I think like Beethoven and things like yeah. that. Oh, I, think, I agree with you. And, I you agree. Know, I, I, unfortunately, I mean, I hope Chuck Berry makes it through and stuff like that, but I'm, I feel very certain that. Yeah, the Beatles, the Beatles will. will. I mean, like you said, for seven years they were so dynamic of how much music and how much hits. And yes, they were a pop band. They were probably your original boy band that was out there, but the songs yeah. speak for themselves. Well, they invented everything. I mean. We can look at them as a uh, this part right here on the '69 version that you can kind of hear the 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 wind, but if you go back to the '69 one, it's just like it's like it's encircling you. Hopefully, the album that I've got still has that. Then it probably does. If it's as long as it came out before the '90s, I can't even see a date on it when I look. Uh, but I'll I'll look again. But yeah, uh, like you said, we I, heck, I got tons of albums there, and those are only probably half the albums that came out at the time. Yeah, we'll also think about the. They did how many tours? They did two major motion pictures. I mean, all of this is in the, like the first three years. Yeah. I mean, they made what did they put out thirteen albums. Ultimate 12, 13 albums. Six or seven of them came out with, by nineteen sixty-five, and then in America, we didn't we didn't have the same albums. Yeah, exactly. That they had until Sgt. Pepper, for the most part. Their output was just unbelievable. And remember that a lot of their biggest songs are not on the albums because they didn't believe, they thought it was a ripoff if somebody bought a single and then bought an album and had the same song on there. From England, I don't think She Loves You is on an album. I don't know if I Want to Hold Your Hand is on an album. They are, they are in America. Hey Jude is not on an album until later on they put a collection together. That was the most abrupt ending. Yes. Well, that's the whole thing. You're supposed <laughs> to be um, a teenager who's maybe a little high with headphones on and you're getting lost in those clouds and then all of a sudden it just stops. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that album. We're going to have to have you back for all the trivia knowledge that you've got to share. We're going to go to Wayne with our first staff pick. What do you have for us, Wayne? 
I have you guys another deep, deep dive. I know, Wayne, deep, deep dive. Imagine that. Yeah. Um, this is one of those classic blues artists that, you know, played way back in the early 50s and continued to the 2000s. This is Otis Rush. Deep, deep cut called Me. It's so, awesome. Yeah. Oh, it is It is great. I mean, he's... he's I he's, can see Clapton playing this. Oh, oh yeah. that's where the Yardbirds and, yeah. and, and all of the... Everything comes out of... I just saw uh, Eric Clapton in an interview say, what you have to understand is all we ever wanted was for you to listen to the blues. That was their... So all Eric Clapton ever wanted with all of his output was that we would go back and listen to Otis Rush, that we would we would hear the masters. Mm. And that's really what it's all about. Anybody recognize that guitar in the background? Dwayne Allman. Is it really? It wow. is. Dwayne Allman. He showed up along with a previous podcast. We did Electric Flag with Mike Bloomfield. Mike Bloomfield grew up in the south side of Chicago also. And this is obviously sitting at the feet of Otis Rush and decided to help produce this band and also do a lot of the music along with us. This is a great time for horns in recording. They were very yeah. well recorded. Uh, all the way up to like the late 70s. Like, I mean, you can go into, this, go into the 70s with the way that Al Green stuff was recorded. I mean, the horns were just, there was just a great sound. I don't know if it was the microphones. I don't know what it, the, the studios at the time. Or, I just the soul that was yeah. really coming through. Motown impressed on so many people and everything. What's interesting about this is Otis Rush, you may not have heard of him, but the first song he ever really recorded that went, made a hit, everybody kind of knows, is I Can't Quit You, Baby. And no, it was not written by Led Zeppelin. It was written by Muddy Waters. <laughs> you know. yeah. Well, they this is early Led Zeppelin is very, very much lifted yeah. from... You know, well, this is in '69, but it's going back from what this oh, is pulling from. Yeah, and well, there's there's an awful lot of uh, just straight up lifting of some of the great blues classics. They weren't anticipating uh, CDs or the internet. Right. Yeah. They want to go back and look, and they've had to go back on a lot of their songs. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, dazed and confused was one oh, that yeah. was done by the Yardbirds, but it was a <laughs> lift. I can't remember the guy's name who had put out, put it out a couple years earlier. And uh, I had no idea. I listened to Dazed and Confused in the 70s. And I thought, where did this come from? All right, I now don't... we're going on to Bruce for his staff deck. What you got, Bruce? Well, I got one. And this one, speaking of lifting, this one was is a cover. So this is The Dells' Oh, What a Night. And they're doing a cover of a song that night? came out in 1956 called... Oh, very, what a night by the Dells. <laughs> wow. Late December back in 63. I wonder how they got permission for that. <laughs> so they, like Taylor Swift the style, they went back and did it again? Is Pretty much, yeah. yeah. That's what that's what kind of compelled me to do this one is because it is a remake of a song that was done by the same group. and and it, But it is different. They, they, have, they have kind of catered it to have a little bit more of a blues feel that spoken word at the beginning is not in the original so this song is longer this is about four minutes long where the original like a lot of the stuff in the 50s and the early 60s it's you know less than three yeah exactly well maybe i I would imagine they thought about what what was happening on radio too right you know let's let's turn this into something that people would want to hear on the radio that's everything was radio back then that's right can you get on the radio and it did. It, uh, it actually worked out pretty well. The, the, the remake 
uh, the the first one went to number four on the R and B charts, and then the remake went to number ten on the Billboard Hot 100. The remake was actually 69 uh, was was when that one came out, but uh, this one is sung by Marvin Jr. and Johnny Carter. They kind of swap off lead vocals, and then uh, Michael McGill, Chuck Barksdale, and Vern Allison are on backing vocals on it. So they're kind of a doo-wop group. It was more famous in the 50s, but then they, they scored in the 60s here. Did it have the big band sound, the first one? Because the first one, it's all that added in the second one, like yeah. that big band sound. Yeah, the, the big sound. They've still got a, some of that feel, but it's more it's much more doo-wop, the original. You can tell this is that early 60s before the Beatles, before the, you can feel get that feeling. So yeah. I can see why this is... It was that pre-transition to rock and roll, I guess you can right. say. Well, to go back to the Beatles, I, I would imagine a lot of groups like this thought, well, they exist because we existed in the 50s, so if they're having success, why don't we put it together yeah. and we'll go out and have success too. Where's where's our love? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> this is the this is the kind of music I grew up on. So my mom was a big in the Motown, so like we listened to a lot of this. Well, that's so, a good childhood. Yeah, it's a good childhood. Yeah, that's great. Listen, sitting in the back of the car. I mean, this is like, this is me sitting in the back of the car riding down the road. You know, it's dark, and this music is on. Like, I can remember, I can literally remember this song coming on. Really? Yeah. It's yeah. it's just good. It's just a good feeling, man. This this music is so wholesome. Where where would this music fit in somewhere? I mean, and that's that's the thing is, is you don't have that oldies channel anymore on no. the radio. Even I don't even think podcasting wise, people are out there trying to promote this stuff and really we're just trying to bring these things back and go hey take a listen listen to this well, yeah. if, you go, if you go to the late 50s and all that those, we're losing those people right? Yeah. right so I can discover the Beatles in, when I'm 10 and I'm 58 so I can keep on but we're actually when you talk about podcasts we're losing the a lot of people who love this stuff before people even really started podcasts so mm-hmm. everything gets niched in the end there will always be people who like certain kinds of music it's like even rock and roll is like jazz now. Yeah. You know, the yeah. whole rock and roll is here to stay. When I was a kid, I thought, well, why are you singing that? It's ridiculous. Of course it's here to stay. But now we know it wasn't. It's now it's now like jazz. Like when we were growing up, they, you would meet somebody who's like, I, let me show you some of this jazz stuff. And it's like, oh, that's my friend who's into jazz. Now you'll have friends who are into the 50s or friends who are into what happened in music in the 60s and 70s. I think, uh, Rob, are you bringing this next one up? I am, and uh, you might recognize it. This uh, seems familiar. This is certainly a a wedding and a sports arena classic, no doubt. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I've heard this song a thousand times. Who doesn't know this song? And more importantly, who doesn't uh, sing along? Whether you do it out loud or in your head. Well, you could try to run away from it. You can't. It's like you know, you're going to have to sing along. It's it's a sing along at this it point, is. right? Okay. It is. Okay, I grew up in North Carolina, and I'm going to tell you, this is a theme song for North Carolina. For everything. For everything that happens in North Carolina, this song is played. Really? Out, absolutely, absolutely out of control. <laughs> do you know? Uh, do you know the story of where he got the the name? I thought I do. But I'll let others. It's I don't. it's um it's uh, Kennedy, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he got a he saw a magazine picture of the Kennedys with their daughter Caroline, mm-hmm. and a few years after that, he decided to write the song. Come on, everybody! Bum, bum, bum. You got to do that, right? Do you think? Do you find that a little 
creepy? It is a little creepy. Yeah. She was a little girl. <laughs> yes. Touching me, touching him. <laughs> so, so then, yeah, I think it was just the word. I think I, I'm going to assume it was just the, oh, it, that's a good name. That'll hey, work if here. You, if you look at all those songs that are going back there, you know, I mean, come on. There are some, there are some, she's only 16. <laughs> well, first song ever on a Beatles album. Uh, she was just 17, if you know, if what, you I know mean. what I mean. <laughs> I think I do. Okay, I, I had never thought about that until you said it, and now I cannot unhear it. <laughs> Maybe he decided to, that that was the deal. So in 2014, in an interview with the early show on CBS, he said the song was about his current wife at that time, Marsha. But he needed a three-syllable name yeah, to fit the right. melody. Sweet so Marsha just doesn't yeah, work. Yeah. Sweet yeah. Marsha. Yeah, that's what I figured. See, you see the word, and then it's, okay, that's, yes. a, that's a name that'll work. Sweet Marsha would have never made it in North Carolina. <laughs> Nobody would have bumped, bumped, bumped to Sweet Marsha. And... During COVID, he actually did a remake of this. Oh, Don't Touch Me, Don't Touch You? Oh, don't Touch Me, I Won't Touch You. <laughs> I hope I never hear that. <laughs> I mentioned that you hear this at weddings a lot. You also hear it a whole lot in sports. The Carolina Panthers, University of Pittsburgh. There you go. Let's go, Pitt. Oh, and the bump, bump, bumps. Yes. Boston Red Sox, and then Iowa State. And up north, there's hockey teams that play this, believe it or not, which I thought was weird. And across the pond, it's played it for many football games, soccer, and cricket. <laughs> so they use it for all kinds of things. So he's, uh, he's, doing, he's doing all right. His bank account is in <laughs> yeah. no trouble. He had 38 songs that reached the top 10. 38. Uh, with Neil Diamond, if you go find something, and it's on, it's on Apple Music, I know. It's called the Bang Record Years. It's everything great from Neil Diamond. Like I think he gets a little schmaltzy in the mid seventies, but uh, it's like the Bee Gees. Like the sixties output is unbelievable. He's up there almost with Lennon McCartney writing these just great pop songs. Solitary Man, so much fun. And this band has gotten a good bit of play. What do you have for us, Lynch? Well, as you know, I like to I like to bring it back to the year of what was going on. And if you were listening to the radio between 1969 and 1970, you almost always were going to hear Creedence Clearwater Revival. This is uh, Green River. It's probably like my eighth or ninth favorite CCR song. So I don't, I don't like always, to, I don't want to burn an album and pick the top song, you know? Uh, so I picked Green River. Well, this was a hit though. I did, yeah, it was a hit. It hit number, hit number two. They had so many hits. I had this. I had a copy of this record in the '70s, and I guess it's, it says something about their commitment to quality. That record weighed like three times what the other. These <laughs> records, Green River, that I had. Really? I don't. You know, people talk about 180 grams. I don't know what all that means, but I do remember that this this album was significantly thicker. In vinyl, then uh, you could defend other, yourself with this. See, you with weren't doing yeah. all three stooges and snapping it over everybody's head. Well, you actually could use it and reuse it. Uh, most of it would not break. Yeah. It wouldn't break. <laughs> so between in between sixty nine and seventy, in a seventeen month period, they had fourteen top ten hits, just yeah. straight oh, wow. over and over and over again. Just and wow. then they blew up. It almost happened. It almost <laughs> all happened in like three or four years. Yeah, I think they couldn't stand each other. And then John Fogarty said, yeah. "I am not friends with any of you guys yeah. anymore. I'm out of here." Including his own brother. Yes, his own brother. Yeah. And I mean, for decades, for de yeah, Tom Fogarty was was okay. the, the uh, uh, guitarist on, in, in the band. I think there was jealousy, right? I mean, he was writing all of these songs, and he just went through this explosion of songs. 
And I think that they saw themselves, hey, we're more than him. And I'll bet you by 77, when they saw their bank accounts, they wish they, yeah, you know what? We should have lined up behind him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they put out albums without him, I believe. So, they so didn't sell. Believe it or not, this song was written about, um, it's supposed to be about a river in New Orleans, and it's supposed to have that New Orleans kind of sound to it. He didn't grow up in New Orleans. He grew yeah. up in California. Yeah. So there was no Green River in California. He just made that up. There was Buck Owens in California. They, though, call, so. they call it Swamp Rock now. Yeah. Swamp, Swamp Rock. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Right, yeah, it's, it's it's from like it's almost like a Louisiana kind of thing that they they always kind of got into. But yeah, they're from California. They're yeah. All right. Well, thanks for bringing that, Lynch. And now we're going back to the man who started it all today, Eric. You picked <laughs> this as your single from this uh, time period. Tell us about it. Uh, sugar, sugar. Uh, the Archies. I'm not an expert. When I was a kid, they were a cartoon. <laughs> and they had a band, and at the end of their cartoons they'd sing a song and this was a huge hit i don't really know i think at some point i knew who actually these people were i'm assuming the wrecking crew and people like that are big parts of this but the reason i the reason i brought it up is because i think it's important for music lovers and audiophiles we can get really deep in lennon and mccartney and Bob Dylan and all the important and Joni Mitchell and all that, but songs like this, to me, are every bit as revolutionary and as important in pop history because I, I guarantee you this song has saved lives. That's the beauty of music, you know? It, it, this is irresistible. We could very easily have a conversation and go, well, there isn't really much to this, but who can deny that there's magic in there? Mm -hmm. And that's that's as important as what Bob Dylan does. Yeah, this song has soul. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's about, you know, it's lighthearted, but I mean, it has yeah. a lot of depth to it. That is something, though, that I would not have appreciated when I, in my teenage years and my 20s. I was looking for depth. I was looking for something heavy, right? And there is something about, there's a reason this was popular. Right. And it, because it makes people happy. Yes. And that's, I sometimes with musicians, and I think they go overboard with the politics and stuff, and I think it's because they think, I've got all this money and I haven't given anything, and they don't realize that something like this, it, you are giving something to the world. It's very important. You don't have to save the whales. Good you, point. You've done something very important, and you've saved people's lives. I guarantee you, somebody's mood has been turned around by not only this pop song, but other pop songs. Well... I, I remembered who was the songwriter on this, and it was Andy Kim, oh. if you remember that. So he was with Don Kirshner, and, and Don Kirshner was doing all the monkey stuff, so it makes sense that he did this cartoon. He, he had a hit in the 70s, didn't he? Yeah, I feel like I know Having that. Having My Baby or something like that, No, I think. that's Paul Anka. Uh, he, uh, he, he was either in one of the bands. That, I'll look it up. Hold on. The name rings a bell to me, Andy Kim. I totally agree with you. It just lifts your spirits. It's hard to do something mean listening right, to this song. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe you're sad and you're watching mm -hmm. the dishes and then this comes on and by the time it's over, you're not sad anymore. You're, I, can, you're, I, can see, I can see John Wick shooting people to this song. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, that was Rock Me Gently. Rock Me Gently. Rock Me Slowly. Rock Me Slowly, <laughs> right, yeah. That's right. All right, now's the point in the show where we go to a laugh track or an instrumental. And we're going to actually go back and double dip here. On a previous uh, artist, what do we have here, Wayne? We have Otis Rush, Baby I Love You. And once again, those blues artists, they'll just sit there and just jam for hours. If you ever go to a blues concert, they used to have festivals coming out all the time. I, I, I saw 
I mean, I, I, I gotta say, I saw Otis Rush, but I mean, it was there were so many blues artists in the in the late '80s, early '90s that were just going around on these festivals. I think Benson and Hedges had that blues <laughs> festival. But we talk about what we mentioned earlier: some top hits of uh, September 1969, "Honky Tonk Woman" with the Rolling Stones. Is it woman or women? Women, women. Uh, uh, I yeah. always say woman too. Uh, sorry, I, a boy named Sue. That wasn't a woman. That was yeah. That was a boy. Johnny Cash. Get together, young bloods, and Tom Jones. I'll never fall in love again. Good old Tom Jones kicking around in '69. A little more uh, Beatles trivia. Northern Star and Illinois University newspaper start rumors that Paul McCartney was dead. Oh yeah. <laughs> And Plastic Ono Band, their first live performance, featuring John Lennon, Yoko Ono, and Eric Clapton at the Toronto Rock and Roll Festival. Oh, yeah. They put that together in like one. I think they rehearsed on the plane over. Yeah. I don't know how good or bad it was. There was an Elvis convention with, I guess, in Cincinnati, if people still do that. Uh, a <laughs> few, few of the um, entertainment, we didn't get to that. But Love American Style premiered on ABC. Uh. That was um, Vignettes. And for a young kid, I would I would stay up late and try to watch that just to catch a, a side boob or something. You know? <laughs> I think I saw reruns in the early 70s. They were always on. But you're right. They were like little 10-minute vignette things. <laughs> and they would be the same actors that you'd see on all the game shows. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Weren't, weren't they still cleaning up from Woodstock around this time? <laughs> like, they had to still be picking up trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't quite done yet. The work wasn't done yet. <laughs> We've already featured their, their theme song, but the Brady Bunch premiered and. September 1969, along with Scooby Doo, where are you? Never liked that one. Yeah. What? Seriously? Kids you love like it. I, I, when my both of my kids, I have one is 38, one's 25. They both loved it. I couldn't believe it was still around. I hated it when I was a kid. Same damn thing happened every time. <laughs> well, Eric, thank you for showing up and, and doing this for us and everything. We had a great time. You're always welcome back. But you've been listening to September of 1969. We're What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. I'm Bruce. I'm Eric Von Hessler. It's been a blast. All right. Enjoy it. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us. Check us out at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook. Special thanks to our sponsors, Monkey Wrench Brewing, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. See you next week on What the Riff?